good time in, in the Lord. So, Father, we thank you that you have created a many books for us. God, that we can look into and dive into and see your nature. And God, that you have expressed in who you are in the written word. And we thank you for that. It's an honor to be able to read this, to meditate on it, and try to understand it. So, Father, we ask for revelation tonight, that you would speak through me and through everyone here. God, as we prophesy in part, we also teach in part. And God, just uh, use us all. May your hand be upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, that's one thing I do believe. I, I, I love getting around people that are, um, that's just, that just has a love for God, and you can, you can really, you can really get somewhere when you have that. And uh, we're talking about Ecclesiastes tonight, which is, I've, I've, there's no telling how many times I've read this book. Uh, man, if I had to put a number on it, I'd probably say like a hundred, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's only twelve chapters and eight pages and. Of course, according to this, it's meaningless anyway. So, why read it? You know, it's you know, it's it's one of the doom and gloom books. Uh, it does fall under the category of the, the wisdom books, and and so um, y'all know the wisdom books. There's three of them. You got Ecclesiastes. You have what's another one? With Proverbs. What's the other one? There's one more. Probably the oldest book in the Bible. Job. Yeah, Job. Job falls under the wisdom books. And so you have three of the wisdom books. Um, I, I love Job as well. Job is one of those things that um, it's just a lot of wisdom there. And, and a lot like Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. Uh, they just speak about life and, and, and how life operates. And sometimes when we sit back and and re we read these books, we can have an understanding of just how it goes, just what the writer wants to portray and, and to visualize. And I really, really enjoy it. <clears throat> and so let's jump right into it. It's, 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 a, it's a fun book. How many, how many of y'all have read this book multiple times? Most of them, probably most of you have read it multiple times, just because it's it's just small. I mean, I love reading small books. I feel accomplished that day. It's like, I read the whole book of James. Well, that's not saying very much. <laughs> you know, I read Titus today. <laughs> I feel so accomplished in my minor stuff. Um, so, who, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes? This man. Perhaps maybe Solomon. And I'm so glad you said that because... It don't say. Uh, right here in the, in the first verse, this is the, the words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. So we get right off the bat that this person is a teacher. And, and I love that because it's, um, it's the word. Well, some of y'all have teachers. Some of you have a preacher. Uh, any other words? That y'all have, y'all have that those two, teacher preacher. Uh, some of them, it it, uh, what is it? Preacher, 
and several says teacher. Some of them says Koheleth. Koheleth is the is the the word that is used here, and it literally means the the speaker of the assembly. And so, in the old days, especially uh, uh, David's time and, and um, Solomon's time, and, and many kings after that, they would they would sit at the city gates and they would um, have a almost like a judgment seat. So you would enter the city gates, and boom, there he is, and it's just a guy that's passing judgment. Um, they would bring, it's almost like a city council type, and they would come up and bring them questions and be like, hey, well, he punched me in the face, what do we do? You know, it's like, well, punch him back, done, next. You know, uh, but Solomon would go and he would sit and he would speak. And Solomon was very well known about that. Even other writings outside the Bible, he was known to just let people come in his courts and sit and let him, let them watch Solomon judge his people. Uh, which was a very cool thing, uh, very cool. Uh, I know growing up in the Lord, I would get around uh, other ministers and I would just watch them and just see what they did and be around them and just intake what they had. And, and that's what Solomon did. And that was very wise of him to do that. Uh, Solomon was, we know, blessed by God with wisdom to rule his people. And that's what he prayed for. And God gave him the double portion, of course. And and so he had a, a great understanding about how to rule, and he did. Uh, Solomon, we know that he was rough on his people. Uh, it talks about um, Solomon bought a lot of slaves and the slaves that they had and slaves that was born, and um, that he was just a, a ruler. He, he built up uh, wealth very fast, and, and he used it. Of course, to build the temple, he built uh, northern and southern strongholds, major, major strongholds. One of the biggest one was Megiddo. Megiddo is that north uh, portion of, of not Judah, but uh, in, that, in that realm up there to the north. And they knew if they got past Megiddo, they could make it to Jerusalem. That was that last stronghold that they had, and they, he knew that because of the way the land ran in the valleys that come through there, it was it was treacherous to get over the mountains, so they took the valleys, they took the wadis and which is dried dried riverbeds, and and so he knew that, and and he built one to the north, one to the south, and they were they were massive and they were highly fortified, um, and it's just it's just cool. Uh, I love getting into that stuff and understanding the. Uh, the reasons why he did what we did, and that's that's what Ecclesiastes goes over. It's it really talks about the struggles of life and trying to identify what life really means. What does it mean? I mean, starting off, the words of the teacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's go over vanity. What does vanity mean? It's it's they're not talking about a place where a woman goes and puts on her makeup. That's not what this is. Uh, does it mean? Um, so what? What does vanity mean? What does vanity mean to y'all? If you were like somebody who's like vain, what does it mean? Concerned about way people see you, just a selfless or or a self image of maybe I'm better than you or um, 
just vain. You know, it's just uh, a, a somewhat a prideful, yeah, selfish motive. And but is that what it's mean? Well, no, not here. I think this is a part of the big mistranslation that 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 we get. It's close, but it's not the word that that I would use. Um, um, they use a word that is a lot better, um, and we're going to find out what that is, which is really cool. And after I had studied this many, many times, we find out the word Havel, H-E-V-E-L. Um, Havel, a little bit of background, but it is where we get the word able from, actually. And if you turn to Genesis, uh, you know, Cain was born, Abel was born. But Abel was not here very long. We know right off the bat, Cain was a worker of the vineyard, and Abel was was worker of the um, the fields, the, the animals. And you know, Cain got jealous and offed Abel, offed his brother, and that's Havel. That's that's Havel. That's that's a a word that literally, if you you saw somebody smoking, it's it's it, you know they blow the smoke out, and all of a sudden it just dissipates, and it's like it's tangible, but only for a second. That's Havel. That's here for a minute and gone the next. That's Havel. That's that's what they're trying to say. It's 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 there. It's tangible. It's real, but it only lasts for a second. It's Havel. And vanity of vanities. This is a very common phrase that we see. Um, Song of songs, King of kings, Lord of lords. Um, that's that literally means the best of the best. That's what that means. It don't mean. They're trying to use his name twice. It literally means he is the king of kings. He is the king of all kings. He is the best of the kings. And, and that's what that means when you see that throughout the Bible. That's what that means. So vanity of vanities. This teaching right here is going to be about the top of all the things that maybe no matter. That's what they're saying. And so do you have something? Sure, why not? That way they can hear you too. Power button. There you go. It is, very much so. And that's what I think Solomon here is trying to, um, to teach, that especially when we're seeing in, in, in chapters um, 7 through 12, or the first part of 12. We'll definitely see that. That's what we call the teacher's advice, and, and he goes through that. And, but he's, he's trying to convey here that he's not saying that everything is meaningless. And if you try to understand that, you're missing the point of what he's trying to say. He's really trying to get across 
that every, well, when we read in chapter 12, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that because he's, he's basically saying everything without God is meaningless. That's what Ecclesiastes is going after. He's like, man, this, this is chasing after the wind. But with heaven and obeying his commands, it, it changes the light. And when you have a different perspective on this world, it changes the outlook of what we have. And that's what Solomon is trying to say. Um, but it is. He's, he's, to me, Solomon here is later on in his years. And I can see that by how he's writing. He is not writing as a young man. He is writing in a state of experience. He has experienced life. He has experienced troubles. And you see this in Ecclesiastes because he's in a state of mind that's just in a guessing. He is like, could it be? Could it be this? We're here for a second and gone. You know, and it goes on in verse 3. It says, what does a man gain when in, in all his toil, which, is, which he, he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth, earth lasts forever. So what does that mean? said so a generation goes and a generation comes. It means there's a cycling process. And he's seeing this wisdom in life that nothing really belongs to me. I'm here, but my son's going to have my stuff tomorrow. So he's a cycling effect that he's able to see. He said the sun rises and the sun goes down. And, it, and it, to, it, to its place, it hurries and there it rises again. Uh, I think that another scripture says that it, it hearkens, means it's wanting to. It wants to get back to the place. It, and that's what he's trying to say. And It says that the wind goes to the south and goes around to the north and around and around it goes. And on its circuit, the wind returns. So yet again, we're still having the same perpetual um, meaning that he's trying to, to get across that Nothing really changes. It's all the same. That's what he's trying to say here. And all the streams flow into the sea, but the sea is never full. And all the place where the streams flow, there they continue to flow. All things toil continuously. No one can ever finish describing this. And so this absolutely sounds like an old man sitting out in front on a rocking chair that has just experienced life. He's been there. He's sit, he sit in a, a, a tree stand out there hunting deer and thinking about life. This is not a young man's thought process. This is not a middle-aged man's thought process. This is an old man that has experienced life, and he has thought about stuff. He has sit there, like his father said, and just say la. He has pondered these things. He, he's, he's trying to figure out life. And this is not a bad thing. People look at this, and it's like, Oh, everything's meaningless. Close the book. Let's go home. You know, that's not what he's trying to say either. You know, I, I, I know the first time I read this book, I was just flabbergasted because I was like, what do you mean everything is meaningless? It means I don't have purpose in life and, man, I'm done. This is the wisest dude on planet Earth has ever lived, to my knowledge. And, and he's saying it's all meaningless. Well, let's pack it up and go home <laughs> because I don't have a chance. <laughs> and so... This is what many people get 
when they read Ecclesiastes and they totally miss the understanding of what it is. And this is why it's such a joy to, to teach about Ecclesiastes and catch the heart of what Solomon's truly trying to say here. And it goes on and on. And, um, and so we move in to... That's 1 through 11. Let's go to chapter 3. Well, no, let's go to 2. So chapter 2. He says, I said to myself, come, I will test pleasure and see whether it is worthwhile. But look, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is folly and of pleasure. What does it accomplish? I also explore the effects of indulgence, of indulging my flesh with wine. My mind guides me with wisdom. I investigated folly so that I might discover what is good under heaven for humans to do during the days of their lives. So what is he saying? He is searching everything. He has sat down. He has pondered this stuff. And yet again, we see chapter after chapter of Solomon going after what life is trying to mean. What translation uh, I normally use uh, the ESV. Yeah, English Standard Version. Uh, that right there is Lexham's uh, English Bible, so you'll have to excuse that one. That's an that's a oldie. Um, but I can I can get back to ESV. That's normally what I use if anybody wants to know. I know like <laughs> it's I have like fifty two on here, so it's a little I can I can jump back and forth pretty pretty fun. What what versions do y'all use? What do y'all normally use? NIV? Eighty four? Probably eighty four. That's probably one of the most common ones. There's three of them I think. What do you use, Chris? King James. King James. Old King's English, baby. Ain't nobody understand that stuff. Yeah, most people. Yeah, they do. They sound very uh, proper, I guess. What's it? What's it? Not uppity. Shakespearean. That's a good word to use. Thou art Lord. You know, it's like. Eh, Probably not. I can see God laughing at us sometimes. I really do. It's like, son, you said that like 17 times. Well, if I bore it with you, God, you might actually answer me. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad disillusion I'd have, but um, that's right. That's all that matters. If I bug him enough, it's like Elias coming in. Daddy, can I have this? Daddy, can I have this? Daddy, can I have this? I'm like, no, no, no. Well, he ain't going to stop. You know why? Because he wants it. And so there's scripture on that too. So it's not a it's not a bad thing to it's not that we're aggravating God. God knows what what we need, um, but sometimes we think what we what we want is what we need, and that that don't go good either. And it, that's sometimes here in Ecclesiastes we see this. Um, trying to jump to a spot. There we go. Sorry about that. 
might have cut that off, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so, let's get into this. Let, yeah, let's jump into chapter 3 now. Because there's some, it's, it's, Ecclesiastes is somewhat repetitive. And why it's repetitive is because he's trying to convey something that was very common back then. Uh, a lot of these writings were very co- common outside of Israel. Uh, we know uh, Babylon was very well known for having wisdom writings. Egypt, another major hub of wisdom writings. Uh, Sargon II, maybe the first, maybe both. I know Sargon II was uh, very well known for wisdom writings. And they would talk about life. Uh, the Greek philosophers, very well known. I mean, everybody that's went through some type of theology classes, and uh, we know that these writings are... And they're, they're there. They're all over the world. So it's a very common place to have these types of writings and understanding about life. And uh, what was so fun, I'll give you a quick fact. Um, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Very well known. Um, Hippocrates or Hippocrates, as some people say. Uh, talked about a chamber under one of the pyramids that had been lost for a long time. And he wrote about it. They never could find it until a few, maybe 10 years ago, they took his writing and they found it. They literally dug down where they told him to dig. And it was a chamber that went straight down. And they said it, you know, it would lead this way and go that way and it'd go down again. And there was a catacomb down there. And there it was. And this guy literally had been there. You're talking about a a Greek philosopher that traveled to Egypt. But why did he travel to Egypt? To get an understanding. He wanted to to take this to a place. And and that's, that's what I love about these wisdom writings. It takes you to a place where we can't take ourselves. And we can't, we just can't physically take ourselves there. And this is why... One of the reasons why I study the way I do because I, I can't take myself there. I have to be brought there. Um, many times in, in the military, I was made to do things that I didn't think I could do. I just didn't think I could do it. Well, until I was brought there and taught the right and proper way to do it, I couldn't do it. Not until I was taught that. And so that's what these books are here for. They're here for our understanding to teach us that the way we look at life, you're not going to be able to see it. But when you read these books, it gives you an understanding of the wisdom that we don't obtain yet, but we can obtain it when we understand and when we take the time and when we pursue what Solomon is doing here. And that is sitting back and just, he's trying to figure out life. And that's what he's doing. Uh, So here in in chapter 3, it says a time for everything. Um, I actually read this at my dad's funeral. Um, For everything, there's a season. 
a time for everything under the sun. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what was planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather the stones together, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And man, that pretty much covers everything in life. What gain has a worker from his toil? Here we see again. I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into a man's heart. Yet so he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to enjoy and to do good as long as they live. Also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is a gift God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it nor taken away from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been and which that which is to be done already has been and God seeks what he has been driven away and so and it goes on to dust and dust that's the famous passage at funerals that we hear all the time um, I think that's probably one of the most famous movie lines uh, when it comes to funeral plots that there is dust to dust ashes to ashes and dust to dust um, but what is what is God what what is God saying here well I mean what is what is Solomon trying to get at? That's what I sit here and I read these things. I read this book twice today, and I'm trying to figure out, am I missing something? Am I missing something that Solomon's trying to say that I am just not understanding? There's a, I've read the Bible a lot of times, a lot, and I know it well, really well. There's a difference between knowing what the Bible says and understanding what the Bible says. You can know what the Bible says pretty quickly. You can't understand what the Bible says in 80 lifetimes. Um, I don't believe it's, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's easy to have a, uh, a knowledge about it. And even Solomon talks to here that knowledge is, it, it just comes and goes. And, and so we have this mindset that Solomon's putting on us that even what he has is going to be gone. And this is the wisest guy. I mean, God double blessed him in wisdom and, and man, he, he is really chewing at the bit here. I mean, when I read this um, a few weeks ago, I'm like, man, this is, this is a doom and gloom. You know, in, until we get to the end of chapter 12, praise God, he turns it around and puts a smile on my face. You know, I'm like, finally, this is over. Um, 
But he does. He, he, he highlights an incredible peace that comes with an entrusting God um, that whatever he, we have time for in life, to enjoy the things. He's not saying that everything is meaningless. He said, but when it's given from God, enjoy it. He said, because it can't, nothing can be added that's, that's been here. And nothing that, you, that God has put there can't, can be taken away. Because we all have our seasons in life. And I, I remember, um, you know, expectations. That's what I see here. We, we expect our lives to be one way, but then sometimes it's not. How many of y'all have expected life to go differently? Man, I could raise all hands, toes, everything and be invested and be like, man, dude, you know, and this is how Solomon is looking at this. He's like, you know what? You think about life and, and what it means and the totality of it. And you're like, and you, if you don't ponder on that, you could totally miss it. Because he's trying to tell us without telling us that all these things are meaningless. But if God's in it, it has purpose. And God is trying to understand here, or God is trying to let us understand here that the purpose of life is way different than the path of life. Because having an understanding about the differences of the two will change your outlook on life. Because what is our purpose of life? What is, if y'all had to say, my purpose is, is what? Share the gospel? Spread the word? What is that? Love one another. Love one another. Well, what if I said that was the plans of God, not the purpose? So the purpose of God is to get back to the garden. That's our purpose here. Our purpose is to find Him. Our purpose is to be in one in covenant with the Father. That's our purpose. Our pur- he made us to communicate with Him. That was our purpose of being here. If we look and in in, in write in a, you know, uh, a few chapters of Genesis, I made them. Why? To communicate with them. To be with them. He made them for him. He made us for him. That is our purpose for God. To be in a relationship with him. That's right. To commune with God. And that's why I love, well, communion. That's, that's one of my big things in life is, is communion. I do it often, and I, I want to always be in communion with God. And I think that takes my spirit back to that Garden of Eden place that I take myself spiritually, and I want to commune with God like that. But the plans of God. See, we're going over the plans of life, especially the plans that we have for ourselves. And so many, many people love uh, um, Jeremiah 29, 11. Oh, that gets me in the getter right there, boy. Oh, 29, 11. For I know the plans. Yeah, he does. Um, but he wasn't talking to you. Unless you're 2,500 years old, God wasn't talking to you. I'm sorry. There's difference between God's God's promises and in God's direct audience that he's speaking with. I just want to let you know that. 
because there's too many people that just quote context way out in the left field. Because right there in Jeremiah, I think it's 44 or 49, God says, I'm going to kill you. But you never see that on a, like a, you know, a keychain or a Facebook post and, or a decorative pillow on the couch. You don't see that. They just want to pull all the good stuff out and leave all the bad stuff. Well, I'm sorry. The, the scariest thing about God is that he loves me. And in his love is also justice. I love my kids, but I'll also discipline them in a heartbeat. So I can't, I can't divide God. That's that holy division people love. That's that religious division that people love to announce that, that God just loves you. And you absolutely does. But he also says, I discipline those whom I love. So what does that come with? That comes with a rod. Did Jesus endure something? Pretty sure he asked to let it go. But God said no. See, there's a difference between purpose. The purpose of Jesus was to be the one. The plan that he had, that was totally different. And that was not fun. Jesus took one on the chin. That ain't fun. It ain't fun when people tell you, hey, uh, go read Ecclesiastes and take that one on the jaw. Do you mean that everything I'm going to go through is not going to be easy? That's exactly what I mean. That means when you become born again, it may get worse. But now you have shalom with it. Now you have peace. What did I say the other day? Shalom was uh, undisturbable. That's what that means. Undisturbable. Don't mean that you just have rest in it. It means you can't be disturbed by it. And things don't bother me. And I love that about people. Uh, my granddad was one. He didn't matter what was going on. He was just, whatever. Hey, I got to go to work. You know, I'm just, he, he was, he, you, couldn't, you couldn't rile that man up. And I love that because it, it, it showed his understanding about life. Because he thought with an Ecclesiastes mindset that it just didn't make that hill of beans. You know, it, just, it really didn't. I love that phrase. I wonder where that come from. Hill of beans. Somebody's granddaddy. Well, yeah, it's somebody's granddaddy made that up. <laughs> that, is, that is a fun one to, to know. Um, you know, and, and it, it talks about right off the bat how, how life is so short. That's, that's one thing I, I, I love about, pro, um, not Proverbs, Ecclesiastes here. How he talks about Havel and how Havel is just a vapor. And if you'll go home and you'll read this and you'll take out um, vanity or meaningless and you'll put in Havel and you'll put in that meaning, just use it as vapor. Just say vapor, vapor, vapor. So what if we did that? Would it read any different? So what if it says vapor of vapor, saying the preacher, vapor, it's all vapor. That puts a little spin on it. It means it don't mean meaningless anymore. And it don't mean vanity anymore. Because the word havel literally means, well, that's where, what's, where we actually get the word able from. Havel, havel. That is just a, 
a, a movement of one letter. It literally means able. Able literally means he was here and gone for a second. So that's where that word, that's where that root word comes from. And so um, it just puts a spin on it. And that's when I love that how God gives us an understanding when we can really understand what he's trying to say. And this is, and I love the Bible. I love many translations, but many translations, it goofs it up. I mean, it is. It is, it is man's translation. Um, inspired by God, 100%. Absolutely. I love the canon. I love what it means. Um, but I know God has, I don't know how, I think we now have over a thousand English translations. I'm like, man, that's a lot. Who is right? None of them. Because <laughs> uh, understanding, this is how I, man, this is how I study. I mean, this is this is what goes on in this small melon of mine when I'm at home, and I'm up for days and I can't sleep, and I'm like, what does this mean? I'm gonna find out. I'm, I'm just that guy. I'm a Googler, and and, and I have, you know, my wall of books and then I'll just chase it down because I want to know I want to know that I'm right or I want to know more off I want to know if I'm wrong because I was praying this morning and uh, God says Daniel I want you to speak as though every word will be judged and I said because it is God he said that's right I was like oh that's that's the meat there I was like man I had to chew on that one for a minute I actually went in and got a communion cup and I think that was a little old because that juice right there had a little twang to it I did I was like whoa this made me real wine <laughs> this, there's only one left over there we might have to confiscate that one yeah, I was like, it had dust on it but I didn't care I was just communing with God amen uh, that was funny I did like whoa this guy's pungent what's that it's vapor. That's right. It was it was gone just for a second. It lasted. Um, so, oh man, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> I get on these tangents and just run with it. Oh yeah, the Bibles. But you know, we, we and, until you sit down and you just shuck the corn on this, you're not going to have an understanding of what is really going on and, and meaning into this stuff. Um, and this is why I love Ecclesiastes so much, um, because it, it is such a such a meaty book, but you can miss it in a heartbeat. You can just read right through it and miss it, and just go on. And, and nothing I mean, in life it really won't matter, but into the depths of understanding it will, because when you understand this book in its fullness your outlook will change. Your worldview will change. The things you go through, the hardships, the trials, the sufferings, all these things in life will change because now your mentality, your judgmental, the way you judge things is now changed, your outlook. And so that's, that's what Ecclesiastes does so well. Um, he's trying to get you to understand that life is a veil. It's just a vapor. And it's a big vapor. 
if we don't have God. So I'm going to jump to 7 right fast. Chapter 7. A good name is better than precious ointment. In the day of death than the day of birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. It is better uh, for this is the end of all mankind and all the living will lay to its heart. A sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. Man, for by the sadness of face, the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of myrrh. Mirth? What's that word? For? Pleasure. Yeah, gladness. That's right. My apologies. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear a song of fools. For as the crackling of the horns on their pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This is also vanity or the vapor or the smoke, the misunderstanding. You see what that you see what that word gets to now? If it's one goal tonight, I want you to understand what Havel means. It's that smoke and mirror. It's that thing that you can easily miss in life if you don't sit back and take it in. If you don't sit in the rocking chair like Papa did and ponder upon the world, you can easily miss it. And this is where I see these things. And we're going to jump into chapter 12 now. And it does. It goes on and on. And, and Solomon's just preaching here. That's what he's doing. He's just going upon, basically what I'm doing now is just, just talking about life, talking about experiences, talking about things that, uh, that just come and go. That's what Solomon's doing. He's just trying to, especially to the youth. I mean, here, uh, we're here um, in chapter 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds returned after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and when those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the streets are shut and he goes on down and he says in vanity of vanity says the preacher all is vanity but here in 9 and this is where it turns around. And it gives a title. It says, Fear God and keep His commandments. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge. All right. So let me jump back to where I first said that Solomon write this. I don't think he did. I think somebody wrote it for him. Either a... No, it's talking about Solomon, but I don't think Solomon wrote it. Because he says, besides being wise, the preacher also taught. So that means 
that's not in third person. Solomon's not talking about himself there. That's wrote in a different way. So the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight and uprightly he wrote words of truth. They could be talking about the book of Proverbs there. Um, what is it? First Chronicles or Second Chronicles that talks about there being a thousand Proverbs. We don't realize how much we have lost because the temple's been burned many times. We've, uh, Judah has been overtaken so many times. We've lost so much we don't even know what, what is out there or what we had at one time. And so um, that's just comes with the territory of disobeying God. It says here in 11, it says, The words of the wise are like goads. I don't know what goads means. I'm going to find out right fast. I guess it's cattle. Oh, 12, 11. talks about cattle so maybe that maybe there's another let me check I don't I have a lexicon here but I wonder if 12 9 yeah it says cattle goads so maybe a group of cattle so the words of the wise are like cattle goads. The collection of the sages. Let me get back out of that. The collections, they are giving by one shepherd. Or one shepherd being God. It says, my, my son. Now how does Proverbs start? To my sons. There's another parable or a parallel that we could see the possible... Um, being Solomon, of course, um, says, Beware of anything beyond these, of making many books, there is no end, and much study is a awareness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for these, for this is the whole duty of man. Now, what did he just say? Fear God and to keep his commandments. What did Jesus Jesus say the greatest commandment was? Love the Lord your God with all your strength, all your soul, and all your might, and love others as yourself. And Jesus said all the prophets summed up in one word is, is to what? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? This This literally overthrows the prophets. If we could understand that, which he wrote here, Fear God and keep His commandments. Life is simple. He said it's Havel. I want you to do one thing. Live all you got. Understand life. Understand what you have. Cherish what you have. Because tomorrow it might be gone. That's Havel. That's, that's vapor. That's, that's chasing after vapor. Uh, I know they're in... Um, schools in the military we we learned how to understand vapor trails 
and thermal thermal rising in the morning when you're looking through a scope and you'll see thermals coming up from the ground because the sun is casting light which causes heat which vapors coming up and in one degree two degree will predict how much wind is there and people understand shooting understands that um, and so it's 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 like that but you can't go touch it once you get close to it you can't even see it this is a veil it's like chasing after the wind he says it ain't something to be grasped it's just something to be understood and that's what Ecclesiastes talks about life you can't grab it grab life you can't it's not a tangible thing because it, it goes away and that's what he's trying to tell us he's trying to get across to our very simple minded ways is it's Havel he says it I think over 40 times in, in these 12 chapters 40 times he uses this word and, and it's, more, it's more in this book than, than the entire Bible put together and so it says, um, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. Man, I, I love this last little three verses or four verses, five verses, whatever. Nine, 10, 11, 12, 30, 40. So um, it's... It's a veil. <laughs> it's hard to it's hard to even explain because uh, if you don't have it now, I mean, I can't I can't do any a better job. I don't do a good job anyway. I just talk. Um, but that's what Solomon is saying. Life is a veil. It's here one minute, it's gone the next, and that's that's what he's trying to say. Y'all want to add anything? Y'all are smart people. I know somebody's got something. Right. <laughs> she said, I ain't using that mic. And, and I think our life is the same. We work and we work and we try to achieve, and we're just here for a season. Right. Our time is here for a season. But the thing he left behind was his, his reputation. Right. Just like what we leave behind. We can't leave much behind. We're short of our money. Right. Right, just like in chapter 7 there. It says a good name is better than precious ointment, which was very expensive back in the day. And his life was really short, but lives got saved because of him. Wow. So he's not just, he was here, he had purpose. Right. Like we all have purpose. So we do do that on purpose, and what we leave behind is a good, sweet smell of Jesus. That is a good one. I like that because that havel is like a smoke it's a vapor it's 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 could be grass but it, it won't be grass for long and that's what Solomon is saying he's don't don't take it as God is just throwing you out there just for a season because he has plans for you and his plan is 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 
somewhat, it, it, it really, when I, when I think about the plan of God for my life, I must first understand the sovereignty of God. Because when I surrendered to his kingdom, I said everything I have and everything I desire and everything I, who I am now belongs to you. Now, if I do that, that means I give him all go-ahead to do whatever he wants to do that will bring glory to him. Now, if that brings me pain and suffering, bring the cup. I'm okay with that as long as it glorifies him. That's what he's saying. That's what Solomon's saying. That's what Jesus said. That's what Paul says. That's what Peter says. That's what James says. Many, many books. The harmony is there. We have to find it. We read the books, but do we find the understanding in it? That's the hard part. That's where we have to sit before the Lord and, and let the Holy Spirit work through our life and, and in our, our time with God and just say, you know what, God? Speak. Your servant is listening, just like Samuel did. But he had to be told to do that. He had to be instructed to do that. And that's where we get discipleship from. People don't like that. People don't like to be discipled. They don't like to be, uh-uh. Because what does disciple mean? It means disciplined one, right? Well, it means I have to be uncomfortable. Discipline is not fun. It's, it's not, a, it's not a, a, um, a thing that wants to be carried out in your life, but it's a needed thing. Especially if you want to get close to God, it takes it takes discipline. I mean, Jesus endured the desert, and what happened after Jesus endured the desert? What does the Bible say? That he left with power. See, Jesus didn't enter enter, enter his ministry until he endured the desert. He went through a testing himself. What does that mean about my life? There's testing that involves testing involved. I mean, Solomon said it right there in chapter 2. It says, um, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Solomon did not withhold himself. I mean, I think it's in chapter 3 or on in chapter 2. He says, I didn't hold anything from myself, nor concubines, women, wine, or anything that I could touch. I had it all. And we know that, that by reading this as an old man that he just saw it was a bell and that's what he got it's what he it's see what he wanted to say in Ecclesiastes and I could see Solomon sitting outside or near the city gates and just talking about this stuff and whoever's writing this down is is having this understanding just as we are today he's like I'm catching this I understand what you're saying I'm, I'm catching the gist here and that's what is a beautiful thing. That's what we have to do with every book in the Bible. Because sometimes it's not as easy as just reading and understanding. Uh, sometimes you have to chase after these things and and really go after it. But yeah, that was that was good. Anybody else? Hey, y'all got some. So what's the next book? Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. What does that mean? This, yeah, <laughs> that's right. 
I think you'll be in that Sunday, right? Yeah, Song of Songs, man. I, yeah. You want know, what's funny is going to a. Um, um, I used to go teach at. Um, what do you call it? Uh, Bible college, and just hey, we're gonna talk about Song of Psalms today. You used to people go, oh, ah, no, it's in there. I'm like, yep, me too. And so, yeah, I'm like. You know, some some books you can just sit back and you know what they mean, and then some books you're like, oh, what does that mean? You know, it's just trying to grab that understanding of it. It's really good. But uh, I'll bless y'all tonight, and uh, thank you.